Welcome back to How Contract Explained. It's an educational podcast produced by the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines and Hawaiian Airlines MEC, where we take a deep dive on various sections of our PWA. I'm Block 4 Rep and Secretary Treasurer, First Officer Sean Lee, and I'm here with uh, First Officer Ethan Pearson Pomerantz to talk more on Section 1. Last time we spoke, we were going over a scope clause within Section 1, when we're going into merger and uh, fragmentation language. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm doing well, Sean. How are you? I'm not so bad. Uh, we got some infographics that we'll share in the um, show notes about code share and joint ventures that we talked about last time. But section one also includes uh, language about mergers and acquisitions and, and things like that. Let's let's all, take it away. All kinds of other stuff. It's, we think mostly of section one as being, oh, scope protections. But really, scope is just one paragraph in section one. It's a, a paragraph B. Everything else in section one is about protecting, well, everything in section one is about protecting the pilots. And there's ways to protect those pilots way beyond just keeping the flying on our seniority list. In fact, the very first paragraph in section one, paragraph A, uh, stipulates that ALPA is the sole bargaining agent between the pilots and the company. And pretty much everything that falls in the contract, all the other sections of the contract are because of that, because ALPA is the bargaining agent between the two parties. So Section 1 establishes the relationship between the Pilots Association and management. Is there ways that management can circumvent this relationship, let's say uh, creating an umbrella company or, or, or otherwise maneuvering around it? For sure. I would guess historically pretty much any any way to do that has been tried in the past. Sure. And that's why we have language protecting it. So in uh, paragraph C of Section 1, it stipulates that if Hawaiian Holdings, which is the ownership group that owns Hawaiian Airlines, was to sell Hawaiian Airlines off to another group, uh, that other group would have to make a written agreement as part of the sale that they would continue to honor the contract uh, as it's written. Uh, likewise, we have protections against the alter ego situation where, for example, Hawaiian Holdings um, would set up another airline called Hawaiian Airlines Part 2 or something and then start shifting flying over there instead. So Hawaiian Airlines, which is our seniority list, would no longer have flying, but we are protected against that. It is true that mergers with another ALPA carrier are fairly straightforward because there is merger language at the national level, but this would include acquisitions from other holding companies as well, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it could be a holding company that has an airline or it could be a holding company that owns steamboats or something like that. Sure. Um, or a record label, you know, whatever it might be, <laughs> um, it protects us in that sense. Okay, let's get into mergers and acquisitions. Let's say tomorrow another airline buys us. What kind of language do we have in our contract? Well, ALPA to ALPA mergers and acquisitions uh, have rules established by ALPA, and they're very straightforward. Um, nothing is straightforward in a merger. I shouldn't say that. Uh, the way you know it's a fair merger is everybody's equally unhappy, <laughs> and the ALPA rules pretty much do allow for that to happen. But in cases where it's a non-ALPA carrier, or even prior to when there was very solid ALPA-to-ALPA -ALPA merger rules written, uh, we had the Allegheny-Mohawk labor protection provisions. And that goes back to the merger of the Allegheny Airlines and Mohawk Airlines, which eventually became US Air, which became American. Uh, and that goes back to about 1975. And the Civil Aeronautics Board, because this is prior to deregulation, uh, basically stipulated that no one group could receive a windfall benefit. And that kind of prevented stapling, where you take one pilot seniority list and just drop them at the bottom of the other pilot seniority list. But beyond that, there really weren't many rules that 
that applied and basically you could integrate unevenly or unfairly or get rid of certain fleets and all that. So the Allegheny Mohawk labor protection provisions were a start, but they weren't very solid. And there was certainly a lot of ways a company could work around them. That's, that's pretty that's pretty crazy for me. That's like 1950s. We're still, it's 2023 when we're talking about Allegheny Airlines being a still relevant uh, to merger language. Sure. That, and that's crazy to me. Furthermore, one of the things that made it a little more complex is there was actually no requirement to use it. It was just what the the protection... It's like past practice. Exactly. Yeah. It took much more recently the uh, McCaskill bond provision, which was a congressional act that requires the use of Allegheny Mohawk if there's not something else in place, like the uh, the ALPA merger policy. Okay, so if it was a non-ALPA carrier merging to Hawaiian Airlines, we're now back at federal law because we're outside of the ALPA constitution. Exactly, because we're outside of the ALPA-ALPA merger, um, we would fall under McCaskill bond. So to get into the weeds a little more, we're joined by Scope and Code Share Chairman uh, Captain Doug Graham. Take us in more. When we're talking uh, ALPA to ALPA merger, uh, w- there are some fundamental, there's ideology into it. There is. Take, there take, is. take and, us into and it. And basically the idea is to have an equitable merger of an integrated seniority list. And you want both sides, as Ethan said earlier, to be equally unhappy. So a bad example of that it was the U.S. Air America West. A good example of that, if there is, if you can call it good, was uh, Delta Northwest, okay? And there are a couple things that were learned from those mergers, but the expectation of a merged seniority list, basically what the companies, what what, what they're going to look at, the merger committees that are going to meet, they're going to look at career expectations. So that would be if we were going to merge with, say, a uh, Alaska Airlines, they fly narrow bodies. We have we have wide bodies. So their career expectations might be never to fly a wide body, whereas you, Sean, could be a wide body captain, and or Ethan could be a wide body captain. So those th- that's one pillar. The next pillar would be, like, what is your seat and status? And when I say seat and status, I mean uh, your, your seat, captain, FO, and status, what airplane you're on. But... It's also what you could hold. They're going to they're gonna make a silo, and whatever your seniority can hold, that's where you're going to go in for the purposes of this integrated seniority list. So you may be a 320F, 321FO, but you could hold a 330 captain, or in Ethan's case, he, he's been awarded 330 captain. But whatever your, whatever your seniority can hold for the purpose of integrating this list, that's where you'll go. So that's one pillar. The other pillar is longevity. So that's just strictly date of hire, which is which is also a pillar. So you have how long you've been at the company, longevity. You have what aircraft are you in and what's your seat. And then you have what are your career expectations. Those are the three pillars that it's built on. So it doesn't matter what aircraft you're flying at the moment and the time the merger is announced is what you could hold, if that makes sense. It does. Ethan... Uh, There are things like partial mergers, too, where parts of the company can be sold off or Japan element of Hawaiian Airlines could be uh, siphoned off. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's that's the more insidious merger or sale or fragmentation is the I guess the word we'd use when when there's more than 50 percent of an airline parted out. Uh, then you have these federal protections come into play. But when it's less than 50 percent, we're relying only on what we have in the contract to protect us. So the specific protection we have in Section 1 is that if more than 20% of the company's assets are 
divested in a 12-month period, it causes what's called a triggering event. And that causes a cascade of protection to come into play. Uh, The biggest of is that the company in the sales agreement, wherever they're selling this stuff off to, has to ensure that the other company will take the appropriate number of pilots to operate what they've sold with them. So let's say not all of our our Japan routes in that example are um, protected routes that have actual slot authority or anything like that, but let's just say they are. And we're also selling, you know, seven aircraft off to operate that. The company would have to secure an agreement from the, whatever they're selling, whatever entity they're selling that stuff to, that that entity would take on, we operate what, six crews per airplane, I think. So 18 pilots times seven airplanes. I can't do the math, but would take that number of pilots over to the other. With the planes come the pilots. Exactly. Doug, has that ever happened in the past? You know, I don't know the details, Sean, but there was, uh, there was an issue. There was it did happen with Northwest. So some Hawaiian pilots went over to Northwest, uh, and I don't know if it was the the eighties, but yes, it's happened in the past. We're, we're, there's another threat too, where you have uh, effective ownership changing hands. So instead of being sold or bought, the board of directors for Hawaiian Airlines Holdings changed, and we have scope protection against that as well, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, if you had some sort of hostile takeover of the board or the shareholders, which would lead to a hostile takeover of the board, uh, there's definitely the possibility of a massive change for the pilots, uh, you know, trying to sell out parts of the airline or whatever it is. So if there is a large change in the board, uh, it also causes a triggering event like we talked about before. But in this case, we can lock our PWA for two years. So even if it's coming up on amendability, uh, we can just freeze it where it's at and, and put it in place. Um, this Try that again. So if 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 there's a hostile takeover of the board, we can just freeze everything, right? Because if you're trying to negotiate Section Six, say the contract's coming up on its amendable date, and we're about to launch into Section Six, and we want all this, and the company wants all that. If there's a change in the board of directors, like a large scale change, the direction of the company is kind of unclear at that point. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't want to be negotiating a major change to our contract when we don't know what the direction from the board of directors is going to be to management going forward. So it allows us to basically just put the brakes and everything for two years. Just turtle mode, hide for two years, freeze, let the let the uh, the dust settle, and then you're back into it. Exactly. And also, um, with the pay rates we have today, this actually doesn't do a whole lot. But in earlier times when, when pay rates are less, in the event of that massive change in control, the company is required to pay the association $1.5 million. Um, or you can do it in stock, which maybe wouldn't be a good thing. But... Uh, it goes to the association, and that is used instead of an assessment of the membership to pay legal fees to try and sort out what's happening to get a, a out, outside counsel besides ALPA attorneys, but outside counsel in place to try and help guide us through these really crazy times when you have just massive change in the board. So everybody on everybody's mind is a big merger and acquisition. Sun Country, we've heard it all. Sun Country, you know, Alaska, what's your rumor Frontier. This week? Yeah, it's everything. But. A wheel Sometimes, we can spin. I mean, after going over this, the real threats might be just from the inside where big power shifts or partial merger or partial sell-off. And there's a lot here that I, I've never thought of. Yeah, I definitely we have to be careful about the direction of the company internally and what that might mean. Uh, if, you know, Ideally, we just keep growing. That's what everybody hopes. But we do need these protections in place in case we don't. And that's why they're there. And um, yeah. 
it's like the FARs are written in blood. Most of these are written in blood from other companies in the past where, where they came from. We're not reinventing the wheel on any of this. Um, you know, one more example of that is that Section 1 actually has its own set of definitions because it's so important and has so many facets that just apply within itself. We have Section 2 of our contract, which is all our normal definitions, but Section 1 actually has its own definition set uh, at the end of it. And one of the big differences in Section 1 compared to the rest of the contract is that it has its own um, arbitration timeline. So arbitrations can take forever. If you've ever watched, if you've had a grievance that you know, you've hoped has gone from an SCR to a grievance to maybe an arbitration, it can take years. But in Section 1, because it's so important to resolve these things quickly, there's very expedited timeframes. Uh, so you can get something in front of an arbitrator within 30 days of having a disagreement. And the arbitrator actually has to return their decision within 60 days, which is very, very fast for an arbitrator to work. In fact, the difficulty might be finding an arbitrator that's willing to work under those constraints. But because everything in here is so important, we do really need the expedited timeline to resolve anything. More than anything else, Section 1 affects all the pilots at the same time. It's not like scheduling uh, reserves versus line holder. This is the fundamental core of being a Hawaiian Airlines pilot. Definitely. I think except for maybe some furlough protection language that's in there, which maybe more would likely uh, affect junior guys and senior guys, everything in Section 1 does affect almost all pilots equally, which is very different from everywhere else in the contract. Well, we have a infographics package available for viewing. It's in the show notes, and we also have uh, several emails uh, coming out from the negotiating from the negotiating committee. Ethan, what's the best way to get in touch if someone has questions regarding Section 1? Uh, darts will be the fastest way. They'll go right to the pertinent committee chair, whether it's scope or merger or something like that. Uh, not just committee chair, their whole committee, I think, sees these. So uh, dart.alpa.org, and you'll get an answer quickly, and our uh, statistics will go up, and Sean will be happy about how active our DART system is. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thanks for joining us, Ethan and Doug. This has been the How Contract Explained series. If you have a question, send me a DART or uh, howcommunications at alpha.org. Great place to send merger rumors as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha.